In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Amen. Amen. Woe is me. I'm lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Last of all to me, as to one untimely born, for I am the least and unfit to be called an apostle. Seems to be a trend here. Shame. Isaiah, Peter, Paul, dealing with God, the triune God. Isaiah with the Creator. Peter with the Redeemer. Paul with the Sanctifier. Some humor notes here to help me understand the text today. Isaiah, it's a conundrum. He sees God. I saw God, but I thought nobody could see God. What does that mean? This is, now you see it, now you don't. It's the oldest, which is to say the earliest human form of humor, better known as peekaboo. <laughs> For Peter, the business of catching people is intensely paradoxical. The Greek word means to catch, sure, but in what sense? Is he going to catch a thief or catch a cold or catch a husband? I, I don't know. It's a play on words. Doesn't that just kill you? And St. Paul, talk about irony. I worked harder than anybody to attain my humility. That <laughs> doesn't make sense. Seriously? This is sounding a little bit oxymoronic here, like jumbo shrimp or a cold sweat or an entertaining sermon. I don't know. <laughs> Isaiah is impure. He's failed in his obligations to the law. Peter is convinced by his own failure, and we will later see him fail spectacularly. He's convinced that his fate is a doomed one, and he's not worthy of God's presence. And St. Paul defines himself by his, his past crimes, his shame and his untimeliness in history. All three of them obliged by their fate and their sins to turn away from God and towards despair. But Isaiah goes to church anyway, hangs out in the temple. Peter, he keeps listening. He lends his boat to Jesus. He follows the fishing instructions, acting as if he felt faithful and worthy. And Saul is simply struck by God, blinded and commissioned to go out and proclaim. And so he does. These relationships with God wipe away all the badness and confusion so these three men can start fresh. To Isaiah, God sends a seraph, an angel with six wings and a white-hot coal that burns and cauterizes and purifies Isaiah forever. To Peter, Jesus gives simple instructions, let down the net here, and all that were with him are amazed at the catch of fish. Now we have to digress for a moment to talk about that word catch some more. What used to be known in the King James Version as, we are fishermen and now you will be fishers of men. Well, we realized that where that was going was like St. Paul. He has us saying that I was the first to see Jesus or somebody else was. We know it was the women that saw him first. Somehow Paul forgot that. So now we say catch, catching people. But the Greek word has as much or more to do with saving, pulling people out of the water, catching them from falling as it does 
snagging them or finding them or entrapping them so that you can fry them up on Friday night with frites, you know. It's not about catching them, it's about catching them. So that's what that word means and it's hard to translate. In English it doesn't make sense. Anyway, to St. Paul, while he was still Saul, God arrived in a blinding light, knocking Saul down into the dust of the road and immediately erased every image that Saul had of what the world was supposed to be like what things were right and what was wrong, what's the world supposed to mean. So what happens to the three of them? Now that this live coal has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. That's what Isaiah hears. And Pe Peter hears, from now on, you will be catching people. Do not be afraid. And St. Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Call this the Popeye theology. <laughs> I am what I am. Isaiah encounters God, remember, in the temple, in the context of a worshiping community. And Jesus' request to use Peter's vehicle to stand in Peter's boat transforms and leads Peter into actually become, becoming a vehicle for Christ himself, founding the church. St. Paul, God is just revealed. Paul doesn't discover God. It's not that he figures God out, but that God keeps knocking and knocking and knocking until Paul answers. Saul answers and becomes Paul. The great theologian Karl Barth observed and concluded that we must speak of God. We want to talk about God, but we can't. We just can't seem to do it. But it is in the trying our trying and our failing that we give God the glory. It's not in our clever and triumphant successes in figuring stuff out. A friend sent me a story about a, a scientific study they were doing with children and their heartbeat. Did anybody see this? And the, the heartbeat, and they were talking about heart rates going up and down in children, and they gave the kids stethoscopes to listen to their own heartbeat. And there was a four-year-old, and the scientist said, the kid heard the heartbeat, and the scientist said, what do you think that is? And the kid said, I think that's Jesus knocking. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so this encounter with the living God transforms us once we're ready. God is always available. We're not always ready until we're ready. It took me a long time to find my way up here. I was always an Episcopalian, but I wasn't always a Christian. Mm. And now, next Saturday, by the grace of God, and with your help, your consent, your prayers, and hopefully your presence, I will begin my service as a priest. Thank God. As they say in Africa, Alhamdulillah. Uh, or I learned a new one the other day from my brother who's in Rwanda. Ahimbazwe is what they say in Rwanda. Praise him. So Isaiah came to say, here I am, send me. And Peter and his friends left everything to follow him on the way. And Paul embarked on his miraculous journey, proclaiming so that all might believe. The transformation is complete in these three people. What is awakened in each one of them is an overwhelming desire to serve God by helping others. 
these three lives, each one enslaved by a sense of obligation to history, to shame, to failure, they're transformed into history's most powerful stories of faith and hope and love. They each become deep channels of God's desire for our sweetest happiness, the happiness that comes from self-awareness, self-emptying, and self-expression. But there's only a certain amount of room in our souls. And what God shows us in these three stories is the sudden and immediate opportunity we have to clean out our houses, clean out our houses and let the grace come in. It's the grace of God that fills, fills us with desire. So that's the theorem, that's the formula. Obligation and desire, it's a zero-sum game. The more you have of one, the less you have to have of the other. A zero-sum game. To whatever extent I empty my head of conflicting and conflicted obligations and shame, that will be the extent of God's opportunity to fill my heart with desire. Amen.